This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365 with Le Macamac. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you to get you into a weekend on a football Friday. Will we get any activity? Not leading into it, but maybe before the day is over. You never know. Uh, we kick your Eagles day off here on Birds 365, and then it's up to those two guys uh, from South Philadelphia to actually do something. John McMahon, what should we do today? Should we talk more about? Well, the I jet? thought you kind of ruined it there. I, I I thought I was I was saying should I open the show and be a you know what and say the Eagles signed Honey Badger, get everybody excited and say, oh look at the calendar, one of those things. It's April Fool's Day, so instead I'm gonna I'm gonna give a public service announcement, which I already did on Twitter. Everybody, you know. Be careful. Look, look, look at who you're getting information from today. Is all take, I'm saying. Take everything you hear with a bit of a grain of salt, because the calendar does say April first. <clears> that is correct, and we will try not to April fools you. That's not us. We're not comedians. Uh, neither McMullen or I will even fake to be one. So we'll kind of stick to the facts today. Here's the facts. I did see this yesterday. Uh, Field Gates, who does a really nice job, ESPN NFL guy. Uh, gave the latest updated breakdown of salary cap room in the NFL. And as you and I, uh, as you and I have well noted, uh, salary cap room is what you want it to be or need it to be. Um, it, it holds some importance because if you want to create more salary cap room, then you've got to pay a price for it down the road. You can always redo contracts. You can move money forward. But then all of a sudden you look up and go, wait a minute. Whoa, how much dead cap space do we have on our for guys that aren't even on our team anymore? We're still counting this many against them. So you can do it if you need to do it. But there is a price to be paid later on. So at any particular moment, you can look and see where you rank with the other teams in the NFL. Right now, the Eagles have the seventh most room in the NFL at 19 million and change under their cap, which means they should arguably have flexibility, more flexibility than a bunch of teams. As a matter of fact, most teams, which means if there was one player out there that they really wanted to try and go get to make them a better team in 2022, they could probably do it. Is this of any consequence, John McClay, John McMullen? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, as always, uh, it, it's usually in the middle. So you have this group that thinks the salary cap isn't real. And you have this group that says, oh, we're up against it versus the salary cap. And as usual, it's in between. It is, you know, uh, a significant 
And we talk about mainly at the quarterback position all the time because you got to pay so much when they get to that second level, second contract, and it spikes and it affects your ability to, to build the back end of your roster and all that kind of stuff. All that is real. But, yeah, I mean, you can see all the teams. I mean, I you know, New Orleans was one of them, I know, that was in salary cap hell. And, you know, everybody magically gets their house in order because, one, they have to. There's no there's no other option. And it, comes, it usually comes down to two or three difficult decisions. There might be two or three, in their case, Marcus Williams. Would they have liked to have kept him? Sure. And they probably couldn't because of the situation they were in or probably couldn't have made a competitive offer uh, if he wanted to stick around. So it always comes down to two or three difficult decisions, even when you're in the worst case humanly possible. So on the other hand, you know, people look at that and say, well, we have more space than, you know, what number were they, Jody? Seventh most space in the league as of today or yesterday. Yeah, so you know, only six teams are in better shape uh, than than the Eagles. Uh, technically, at that snapshot in time that Field took, which is exactly that, it's a snapshot in time. For instance, right. you know, Fletcher Cox officially signed his contract. I don't know or not if his numbers are in that what Field did yesterday. My my guess would be they're not because he officially signed his contract yesterday. Um, and I'm not sure when that, what time that came out, but I'm pretty darn sure the, the contract hasn't been filed and processed yet because he just signed. <clears throat> so um, it's always a snapshot in time. And then this is one of the things that I'll give, uh, I'll pimp out uh, uh, our buddy Brad Spielberger, who works with Over the Cap, as well as Pro Football Focus and Jason Fitzgerald as well, who runs over the cap. I, I think they do the best job of, of uh, you know, salary cap space and giving you the real skinny on contracts and, and things of that nature. They, they do something. They came up with this metric called effective cap space, which takes into account budgeting, you know. In other words, so even if you want to take that 19 million snapshot as to, to heart, well, if you're Howie Roseman, Hey, what's coming up later this month? The NFL draft. What do you have? Three picks, three first round picks. What is your outlay for rookies? Well, you got it. That's that's where effective things like effective cap space in comes in, and they try to budget out. Well, in the Eagles' case, if they use all the those picks, I forget the number, but it's significant. It's nine, ten million dollars. Uh, if they use for their entire draft class, then you have to you, you have to budget in things like uh, injured reserve. You have to budget in things like practice squad. You have to budget in things like injury settlements, and that's where they come up with this effective cap space metric. So it's never as much as that raw number anyway. Um, so again, it always it's very complicated, and and this is where Howie's good. You know, the one contract I look at and say, I don't know what they did, and I'll I admit it. I admit it on the show when I know things, when I don't know things. I don't know what the hell they did with Fletcher Cox's contract. I don't know why it's better. I have a hunch of Howie and, and Jake 
Rosenberg would sit me down, they would it would be better because I have confidence they always do things that are better for the Eagles. And I came out again yesterday with Kaiser White. They got an unbelievable deal with right. Kaiser White. Unbelievable. Um, but the the Fletcher Cox one, I I can't explain. I I don't know other than they wanted to reset, which I've kind of explained, and they didn't want the 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 for lack of a better term, the the monkey on their back for numerous years, they tried to reset it and go year to year. Um, other than that, I think that was a pretty bad contract. I think he got out of a bad contract for a new bad contract, uh, but it's a, at least it's less. So that would be my guess of, right. of what they were trying to mm. accomplish. Less years. Without um, knowing the exact details, that makes too much sense to not be exactly what happened. Because as you and I both agree, the Eagles are one of the better teams in the NFL at moving money around and when to take the chance and when to bite the bullet. And I think the Fletcher Cox one was a biting of the bullet for this year because they do have to take a huge dead cap hit now. But uh, down the road, they'll they'll get a break. They saw themselves getting into further cap hell in a future season. Sometimes you got to do that. The Eagles did that last year with Carson Wentz when some people, Andrew Brandt, John McMullen, said there's no way they're going to move Carson Wentz because it'd be too dead, uh, too much of a dead cap hit. Yeah, they did. And you have to do that. That's part of why. And it's difficult to understand. You and I do this for a living, and we don't always understand what's going on for regular fans. It's that much more to ask. Yeah, you have to be able to manage the cap. It's an important part of the general manager and or his underlings and assistants who help him with that. That's a big part of the job as a general manager. Uh, you like to talk about, and you're dead on right, how big the job of general manager is. Too many people shrink it down to, well, what's his track record with first-round draft picks? Uh, being an NFL general manager is much more than that. And a big part of it is cap management. And I think the Eagles are a very good cap management team. Uh, you kind of touched on it there. And I was surprised when it was uh, related yesterday. Uh, but even though I shouldn't have been, because you, you always uh, remind me, Jody, remember that first reporting on a contract? Nine, 19 out of 20 times it's going to be the agents leaking the information and the agents spin and they're going to try and make it look as good for their client as humanly possible. Kazir White, rather than a $5 million, and I thought it was all guaranteed because that made sense for the level of player he was and being out there on the free agent market. Uh, okay, I thought $5 million was a damn good signing. It's actually less than that with bonuses that he's going to have to earn that aren't a foregone conclusion. Sometimes you get bonuses that are just a stone-cold layup, and then you have ones that are debatable, and then you have ones that, you know, there really is no shot unless he has an MVP-like season. Damn, they got Kazir White for a tremendous price. Yeah, essentially $3 million guaranteed. You count 1.8 against the cap, uh, that, you know, I think it was Chris Harris who tweeted out, did the NFL watch Kazir White play last year? I they, they do not. But there's enough. We talk about valuing positions, and they do not value inside linebacker at all. And, I mean, this guy, this uh, – I, I, you know, he's in that Steve Nelson category where I'm surprised he's not on there. And even more so because he's 26 years old. At least Steven's uh, a longer in his career – Boy, I, I mean, 
I always say, look at the contract and it tells you what you think of the player. In this case, I'm not going to say that. Um, It's just, you know, they took advantage of a situation where I'm not, by no means am I trying to say, Jody, this is a great player. He's not a great player. He's not an all pro player. Bobby Wagner's son with the Rams yesterday. There's a Hall of Fame uh, inside all ball linebacker. Now, his numbers are skewed, the first reports, but. You know, he got some significant money. And even though he's a little bit uh, uh, long in his career, he's still a really good player. And obviously he wants to go get another ring and have them picks and all that. We're just going to go all in again for the Rams. They should, to the Rams' credit. Um, And I think it's a good signing for the Rams at this particular time. Um, You know, a lot of teams, and that's, you know, that's that difficult balance. When are you ready? When are you ready? When are you ready? And too many of these teams get into this cycle where they're never ready. And you get, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. If you consider yourself never ready, guess what? You're, You're never, never going to be ready. ready. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, I see some of that with the Eagles now, to be honest. I, I do see some of that self fulfilling woe is me. Well, we can't, we're not, we can't do this right now because we aren't in a position. Um, I do see a little bit of that seeping in, not not to the degree of, of certain teams, but a little bit more than there used to be is how I would describe it. Um, but getting back to the Kaiser deal, I mean, every time the Eagles do a contract and, you know, people say there's been some bad ones. Look at Carson. No, Carson's contract was unbelievable at its time for the structure, for the team. Uh, they got the evaluation wrong, Jody. That's but that, different. that factors in. When someone says it's a bad contract, you can no, look. You Don't tell me no. Well, I'll tell you I what can. I think. If you want to tell me what you think afterwards, okay, fine. Here's the way well, I look I'll at tell it. you why when you're wrong you, When you evaluate a contract, when it's over and done with, you can look back and go, wow, that was a bad contract. At the time, you may have thought it was a good contract. Which is a better look? What you think it is on the day he signed it or on the day the contract is up or the guy is moved? No, Which is an actual better look at a contract? Because if you would have let me finish, it's about the evaluation of the player. They got the evaluation of the player wrong. The contract is about the valuation of the player on the market at the particular time. Now, you can smile all you want, but that's what it is. When Carson Wentz, you can go back, Jody. When Carson Wentz signed that contract, there was nobody criticizing the Eagles for that contract at that particular time because he was still thought up highly. Now, yes, in 2020 hindsight, they got the evaluation wrong of the player. The player turned and went in in a vastly negative direction. But what I'm trying to say, and where you're dead wrong, to be blatantly honest, if you look at the quarterbacks since then and where the prices have gone for the quarterbacks up and up and up and up for above average quarterbacks to superstar quarterbacks, I'm telling you the contract, the contract was not a bad contract. Even if the kid played mediocre, it wasn't a bad contract. The only reason it went wrong was because he turned into a complete you-know-what. And, yes, it is fair to criticize the Eagles for getting the evaluation of the player wrong. 
What I'm trying to say is they rarely, rarely, and I can't think of one where they get the contract wrong. They get evaluations wrong all the time, all the time. But that to me is a different category. And everybody gets evaluations wrong. Now, the the, the more important part, and, and that's the far more important part because you need good players to be successful and being a bookkeeper is not going to excite anybody. But man, they're good with the salary cap. That's all I'm trying to say. And people will point to somebody like Carson Wentz and saying, well, that wasn't good. Yeah, it was good. From a salary, from a pure salary cap standpoint, it was stinking real good. That's all I'm trying to say. And I think, if I, as I phrase it like that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you would agree with that. From a pure salary cap standpoint, that wasn't a bad contract. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. John, I understand what you're trying to say, but I think your way of describing it is inaccurate. Or you're not uh, considering enough how you can evaluate a contract as it goes along. There's The minute they put pen to paper, and you can stop, to use a phrase we used earlier in the show, snapshot it, and look at it at that very moment and go, damn, that's a really good contract, which stands unto itself as a way to look at a contract. And then there is the more telling way to look at a contract when it has ended, when it has played itself out, when more comes into play, including evaluation, and then you look at the contract and go, oh shit, that wasn't that good a contract. Which of those two things is more important? The snapshot when they put pen to paper or the snapshot when the contract is run its course? To well, me, it's arguing, when the contract we're, is we're, run we're, its course, we're, we're, when we're, it's over and done with. You're saying that as soon as they sign the contract, that's it. You evaluate it, and it's either a thumbs up or a no, thumbs well, down. I'll, I'll give you an I example. say no. Wait till the contract ends, and then go thumbs up or well, thumbs you're, down. You're evaluating. And if that's the case, thumbs down on Carson Wentz. You're evaluating. We're evaluating two different things. You're evaluating the success of the player. I'll give you another example where I would criticize the Eagles, and I brought this up before. I, I've, you know, people make fun of the Eagles for saying, well, we consider Jordan Mailata and Josh Schwed and Abonte Maddox and Dallas Goddard as part of um, what we did in, in free agency. And they said, and they, and they make fun of them for that. And that's fine. Um, they targeted those players early. They got them all on good cost effective team friendly contracts. And again, cost effective for the average person is, when guys make millions of dollars, you know, they might not understand what they could have made on the open market, those players. Um, every single one of them, uh, very desirous for the Eagles, uh, every single one of them. Now, if they didn't identify those players early and they, and they got closer to free agency, and I've said this before, and they franchised Mylotta or Goddard, and they re-signed them all, in free agency, in the opening days of free agency, I would have sat here and told you the exact opposite, Jody. I would have said, well, they hurt themselves dramatically by waiting as long as they did. That's that's on the, the other side of the spectrum. In other words, the average fan would have been more excited because they, oh, we got, thank God we got my Lada back. Thank God we got Sweat back. Thank God we got Goddard back. Thank God we got Maddox back but they would have paid the penalty 
of not doing what they did early and they would have paid. I, I don't even know what Jordan would have. Jordan would have exploded. I mean, he would have gotten so much money because of the position he plays. Josh Sweat would have gotten, you know, 12, 13 million a year. Tight end, you know, you saw some of the franchise tags. That's where Dallas would have been in. And Abonte Maddox would probably be not saying he's the best slot corner in the NFL, but he's top five, top 10. He'd probably be paid like the best slot corner in the NFL. And then I would tell you, the Eagles didn't do a good job, Jody. They're good players. They got the evaluation right. But from a contract standpoint, I would tell you they didn't do a good job. Yeah, but see, you can't always know that, John, because maybe they tried to get a deal done and the player just didn't want any part of it. They said, no, I'm going to play this out to the end. You know how many times yeah, we've seen part that of it. They in have... the years over the National Football League. A, a player wants to go to free agency, and they want to get more guys involved, and they say, I'm going to bet on myself. Joe Flacco, probably the Kirk biggest Cousins. example of all Kirk time. Did the, Baltimore, did, did the Baltimore Ravens do a jo bad job signing Joe Flacco because they didn't get the deal done ahead of time? Well, maybe Joe Flacco didn't want to get the deal done ahead of time. He bet on himself. He went out and won a Super Bowl and made that many more millions of dollars. Yeah, that's that's fair, and Dallas almost did that. Dallas was the one who almost did that. Dallas went – the Eagles wanted to sign Dallas first, and it ended up – I think he was, he was last or second to last. I think Avante was last. Um, but either way, I forget the timing. Uh, they wanted to sign Dallas first before Jordan, before Josh Sweat, uh, before Avante. And Dallas was like, hey, you know, he knew. He knew if I get – if I get the pre-agency, I'm going to get paid. And he probably made himself uh, – he made himself some money even by waiting as long as he did. Um, uh, and, and if he would have went the entire route, like you just mentioned, I think the best example of all would be Kirk Cousins. I mean, that guy bet on himself twice in Washington and just got franchise tag, franchise tag. Then he got to complete free agency when they couldn't do a third franchise tag because it was completely cost prohibitive. And he gets the first fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. His he's had fully guaranteed money for how many years has he been in Minnesota? So two years in Washington. I, I forget how many years. It's at least four. Um, so six plus he's got three more. He's got nine years of fully guaranteed money minimum uh that guy is andrew we've mentioned andrew brandt he is the business hall of famer he has lapped everybody uh maybe deshaun watson can now uh, be in the same conversation um so no you're right it's a two-way street but i'm just saying from a from a standpoint of 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 you know contracts there, there are times you can get a bad player and sign a good contract, and there are times you can get a good player and sign a bad contract. And I think they're two different evaluations. And nine times out of ten, and I can't come up with one, I told you, Fletcher, I don't completely understand. I can't really come up with this team signing a bad contract over the last, I don't know, ten years. Have right. they signed bad players? Yeah. Lot of the only thing you and I disagree on is when you can evaluate a contract. You're leaning toward 
the minute they sign the contract, you look at it compared to other players around the league, salary cap base, everything else, and you need to put a grade on it at that point and say it's a good contract or a bad contract. You surely can do that. I am not telling you you can't do that. That's, that's the way a good football fan would evaluate it. But what I'm saying is, and then comes the more important evaluation. When the contract has run its time, when the statistics have been compiled, when the film has been broken down, when the guy has achieved what he's achieved or not achieved, what he hasn't achieved, that is the more important evaluation of a contract. Let it play itself out. Then you can look back at it in 2020 hindsight and you know you're getting it right. When you're making well, your yeah, we're just evaluation you're talking about, that's a projected evaluation. That's yeah, but what you we're... think the player is going to do. I think it's more important, more valid to look at it when the contract is over and done with and say, wow, that was a steal. Wow, that was a great contract. Oh, my God, what the hell were they thinking? It's much more important to look at it when the contract is over and done than before he ever plays it down under that contract. You're only looking at it from a negative standpoint. Like, I would tell you. Absolutely not. No, 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 John. That's not fair. You can absolutely sign a great contract. You sign a guy to a contract, and then he goes out and he raises his game. No, I I mean, 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 it just becomes a greater contract. No, I mean bad contracts. I'll give you a perfect example. Christian Kirk, right? I, he he might turn into an all pro player in Jacksonville. I don't I don't think he will, but he might be a star. He might make the Pro Bowl. That's so true. for the sake of this argument, I'm going to say he becomes a consistent Pro Bowl player with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. If we can fast forward three years, I'll still tell you that was a bad contract. Because who the hell are they bidding against? Why why are you paying the guy what you're paying him at that snapshot in time when you didn't have to? That, to me, they're completely – your evaluation is more important. I will freely admit that. And hindsight tells you all you need to know about any player. The more – what what I'm trying to say is we're, we're arguing completely different things. Uh, it, it's easy to evaluate a, a player in hindsight. Right. You know, but nobody – and nobody at the time Carson Wentz signed his contract thought, well, this guy's going to be the worst starting quarterback in football in 18 months. The worst, because he was the worst. He was 32 and 32. Maybe, I forget the timing, maybe there was some backup in there, but he was close. He was uh, uh, the worst starting quarterback in football. Number one, I don't know anybody who could have projected that. You rarely see somebody going off the rails. And if they do go off the rails like that, it tends to be because of injury or just completely destroying their career. He's, He's such a weird anomaly in so many different ways. But the contract wasn't bad for that position at that time. That's all I'm saying. Right. And the player was bad. I get it. It's just you put more of an emphasis on speculation. I put more of an emphasis on after the fact facts. Yeah, but isn't that their job, though, Jody? Isn't that a general manager's job? What are they judged by, John? Have you ever heard a, uh, an owner say, I'm keeping the general manager in place because at the time he signed this mega contract, me and the rest of the world, John McMullen included, thought it was a great contract. No, There's I'm not saying that. There's never been one guy who's ever saved his job no. for a well, move like that after Howie, they've gone 2-14. and 14. Actually, Howie might be the one guy because Jeffrey Jeffrey's the one owner in this league that constantly says <clears> – <throat> That constantly values that type of stuff. And by the way, I think Jeffrey's right. I criticize him for 
plenty of things. But in that instance, I think he's right. And he always talks about, even in evaluation, he talks about, well, I have to decide as the ulcer, is our process right? Because you're going to get players wrong. You're going to get players right. Is our process, are we doing the right things? Or did we make a mistake? All his dribble. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, it is real. Um, in, in the case of, and we mentioned the job's bigger than the average band thinks it is and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, most owners are not um, patient uh, because they get so much criticism from people like you and me. Um, and, and it's really difficult to stay disciplined where you're getting ripped uh, on the radio or on Birds 365 every day. Uh, and that's where you see teams moving on some so quickly from coaches or GMs or players or what have you. It's really difficult to be disciplined in that type of environment. doesn't mean it doesn't exist, though. Uh, GMs, just like coaches, are hired to be fired. Howie's the only GM that's gotten to hire three coaches. It never happens. Uh, um, you know, Jeffrey re respects him, likes him, whatever. You can debate all those things. But if there's one owner in the NFL who understands there's a difference between um, the outcome in the process, it's Jeffrey Lurie. In other words, you can do everything right, Jody, and you can still get the wrong outcome. But if you if you get everything right consistently, you're more likely to get the right outcome. That's you're, that's you, what the Eagles believe. You are right about that, comma. But you judge the results. It, it reminds me of an argument I had with a former partner of mine, Sid Rosenberg, on the radio years ago. When he said, well, I can't criticize them because I would have done the exact same thing at the time. Yeah, you can. We're now past that time. Well, what you can you do anything. At that previous time basically becomes irrelevant. And just because you align with the thoughts of the team at that time with a big decision or a specific move they made should be irrelevant to your ability to judge how it played itself out. You have to judge what happened rather than what you thought about at that moment in time when a move was made. And the yeah, line, I, I, I well, can't well, bring myself to criticize him because I agreed with him, I think it's just stone cold foolish. Well, I, here's the difference. I think it's easy. It's easy to say, wow, they, they, they signed that guy to a good contract and they got the evaluation of the player wrong. I think that's easy to say. I think it's easy to say. Other people don't. Other people say, well, you got it wrong, so everything's wrong. Not every no, oh, part you're of it right. Is right. You're right. You can make you can make a smart business decision at a particular time and it works out wrong. That's where you and I are on the exact same page. It just seems to me like I, I, I think that's the more important of the two. No matter oh, how good the player right or wrong is in the moment, facts in place, everything else. No matter how good it looks at any given time when you make a decision, much more important is two, three, four years, depending on how long a contract runs down the road. After it's done, that's much more important than how it looked in the moment to me. Well, we don't even disagree with that. It's always the most important part is do you get the player right? Do you get the player wrong? That's always the most important part. Always. Right. But that's what was the Carson Wentz contract signed by the Philadelphia Eagles, a good one or a bad one? Good one. Say so it was a bad one. 
the results are in. You yeah. you just said we look at it the same, but how can you possibly say that after because the fact? You're, we're, because because you're not. You just agreed with me. Gone. You just agreed with me, and you're contradicting yourself. I said they signed a good contract. They got the player wrong. You, you you agreed and said you could make a good decision. John, John, it turns does, out bad. Does not does not the way it played out factor into whether the contract was good or bad? It factors out into you got the player wrong. I said it's not typical for me. It's the not the player typical. is the contract. The player is not the contract. Uh, the all contract right, so that's, is the that's contract. exactly where we disagree. Yeah. You take the contract and look at it as an individual entity. The decision a team makes at that time, frozen in time, and you judge that. I add to it. It's an ongoing evaluation. The day they make it is very important. And then it can change. And then it can change. And then it can change as the player performs or doesn't perform. And then when it stops, that's when the actual true evaluation of a contract and a decision well, is made. Yeah, but if you're evaluating a general manager, what 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 is the better way to evaluate a general manager when you shut out everything, the white noise, the fan base? What is the better way to evaluate a general manager? Just on the black and white of, of, of this player stinks or the process that Jeffrey Lurie talks about with his buzzwords? The results, of course. Well, then you're going to, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have, you're going to have a guy who just signs good players and doesn't care about the cost. And then you're going to be in salary cap hell. Not necessarily. How's Belichick been doing it for all these years? He, he brings in guys that other teams don't necessarily think, and they make them into that good players, the guys who are making the decisions along with him, but he's the main mover and shaker. We all know it. He continues to do it and, and did it for two decades and dominated the league. It doesn't well, always it, have to be, oh, you got to get the best players and get yourself. Yeah, but now you want to. Now, the you know, Rams are a team right now who are doing it that way, all in at those draft picks. But you can do it correctly and keep balance and win for years on years and years and years. It is doable. Well, yeah, it is doable if you get Tom Brady. But I don't want to criticize Bill Belichick because I'm, I'm a hundred percent on the Bill Belichick train. But we'll continue. We got to get the, we got to get the Bobby. Right, He's uh, waiting for us. Our first time out of the day here on Birds 365. Our buddy Bob Groats is up next. Keep it right here. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. 
That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We are joined by our buddy from the Delco Times, Bob uh, Groats, who's out and about on the road. Where are you going, Groats? Uh, I'm, I'm headed to New Orleans. I couldn't get a, an airfare to the Final Four, so um, I figure I'll get started now. I should get there around um, the second <laughs> half of the Villanova game. You're, you're, you're just the lion dog. Why would you do that to our, our loyal viewers? You go, oh, I'm not lying. I got, e- I got easy pass. You're going to get a Slurpee. Come on, admit it. You're not going he's to got easy pass. You're going yes. to get a Slurpee. No, he's got no one. Bobby's hey, you, going to get a coffee. Yeah, the Eagles think they got. Uh oh, we lost Bob. That's not a good sign. And, and he cost. hasn't even gotten anywhere close to New Orleans. No, but we got that. He good, probably uh, hasn't gotten over the uh, Pennsylvania Delaware. Maybe, he maybe he's going over the. Uh, Ponta train. Where? What? What is the lake? And there we go. There we go. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I can so, still see the sun through the sunroof, so we know he's not in the Baltimore tunnel yet on the way down to uh, New Orleans. Yeah, the inner harbor nah, tunnel. Nah. We're gonna lose you in the tunnel. Yeah, um, I hope my credit card works with the Easy Pass. Jeez, I hope the uh, the autofill. I could end up. This could be ugly. So what's going on, <laughs> fellas? My favorite morning show. Oh, come on. I think yeah. Uh, is that serious. your April Fool's Day joke? No, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm too old for yeah, that April yeah, Fool's stuff. New, yeah. New Orleans was his April Fool's joke. He's yeah. already got uh, one. You want to load him up for another one, Johnny Mac? Uh, po' boy sandwiches. Oh, my God. Acme, Acme Oyster House. I, I could stay there forever. I, I, and just, oh, my God. And then. And then there's all the entertainment. I won't even go into the entertainment. It's too much. Yeah. Bob's got a lot of great stories. We can't tell oh, a lot yeah. of them on the air. One of my favorites oh, yeah. is not, going. Not from there. Yeah. No, not not even. We actually could here, but well, let's go. You know what? Different. Yeah, the Eagles, every game I covered of the Eagles down there, they they never won a big game down there. I've, I've been there for a couple playoff games. Never won, you know. Um just uh, every it's tough every time they go in that Mercedes Benz dome. That's a tough They're not going to play the play final it. four in that dome. 
now that's, that's you, you led me into a good question. The Eagles playoffs games in New Orleans. Were you there when Randall in Kelly Green got beat by the New Orleans Saints? That was a coat tight team many moons ago. Were you there that day? And while you're at it, tell us. Oh, no, 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 no. They, Jody, they won that game. Do you remember? Oh, that, yeah. yeah. That, remember, they, they took Jerome Brown's stuff out of his locker. He had passed away tragically that summer, and they took his gear out of his locker. They kept his locker at the vet all year, and they yeah. transported it to New Orleans. And, uh, well, you know, they, they the Eagles won that game, but Bobby A. Bear threw, like, four interceptions. So, And three of them were in the fourth quarter. So you could so, say they so won they it. have won playoff games in New Orleans, so you're lying to us. Well, You've been but there when they've April, won big April games April. as in a playoff game. Yeah, you know what? I forgot about that. I forgot about that. That was 90, 93 or 92? 92. 92. Nine, no, I, I was way. That was a, such a long time ago. Oh my God, Coach was the coach. Buddy was yeah. ninety. Was his last year, so it had to be ninety-one, ninety-two. No, there. no, it was definitely Coach It was definitely Coach yep. Yeah. Well, we know it's not Buddy winning a playoff game. So you know <laughs> yeah. that. So you know yeah, that. he had some tough times. All right, yeah. so uh, tell me what you think of Kelly Green. You're all excited. That's the Eagle color, right, Bob Groats? No, I like the I like the new stuff better, Jody. <laughs> I don't like the Kelly Green stuff. I like. Did you see? And speaking of Kelly Green, though, did you see that shirt that Nick Sirianni won to wore to his presser down there? That was a Kelly Green knockoff, was it not? No. <laughs> it it was. <laughs> that it guy like about a twenty year old Kelly Green shirt that had been through the wash. I, you know decades. what? I, I'm telling you, I, I've mentioned this to John before. This guy's getting a little bit too close to the to management here with the fist bumps up on the podium and now he's wearing Kelly green to, to, to tip off the, the, he's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep keep a healthy, healthy distance away from management because uh, they're not, they're not always your friend. They're going to stick the knife in your pack at some point (laughs) and they're going to twist it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Is this naivety or, I, I think he genuinely feels that, but my God, we know how this can change. Yeah. Oh, Jeffrey even said it. He said, who knows what the future holds, right? <laughs> He's like, you know, if you go back to his effusive love of Doug <laughs> Peterson and Carson Wentz, and then boom, I mean, they're out the door. They are sticking that knife in deep, and they're twisting it on the way out. So now everything's copacetic. With Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, but yeah, yeah, every lawyer's very savvy. Who John, knows that, what the future holds, right? He John, knows. That's, that's not fair to group Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson together. No, Car- no, it Carson isn't. Wentz walked his way out of town, slammed his fist on the desk. As a matter of fact, and Doug Peterson just said, "No, I, I just wanna, meant I want to. I want to keep a coach." And they both got the same stab in the back. Shiv all the way up to their neck. Uh, no, yeah. they didn't get the same. I, I met the effusive praise. I yeah, Doug is the one who got the shiv. Yeah, uh, yeah. Carson didn't get the shiv. Yeah, um, and Carson, you know what? It, it's kind of funny too because every time Jeffrey Lurie gets a question about Carson Wentz, he always talks about that great near MVP season, but not all the resources yeah. it took to get one season out of him. You know? Yeah. And the Browns, yeah. the Browns were right. <laughs> Everybody was laughing at the Browns. Everybody killed Paul, Paul D. They, Podesta. 
Killed yeah, everybody. Killed. Yeah, everyone was laughing at the Browns. Well, it's but, the Browns. But John, they should have killed him because at the time it was a bad decision by the Browns. You well, mean you're going to judge killed. it after the fact when all the results are in? Uh, no, I don't you know can't about do that. that, guys. You got to just be in the moment and make sure, your no. decision then. You manipulate yeah. things to a ludicrous <laughs> degree, Jody McDonough. I tell Jody <laughs> that the Eagles signed Carson Wentz to a good contract. That's it. And he manipulates it into, uh, I think, everything's good in the time. Yeah, you They know, signed him to a good deal. They got the player evaluation wrong. That's yeah, all. Yeah. I think it's you know, simple. They, they did. I mean, they, they signed him early. And yeah. you do that, it's always cheaper. It's yeah. always less expensive to sign him early. But uh, but they did. They uh, they got the evaluation totally wrong. They they just uh, they couldn't figure it out. And there were red flags all over the place, you know? It, it's not, especially... You know what the biggest red flag was, Bob? You remember when they announced that signing, the awkward Jeffrey Lurie and Carson Wentz video they put on social media? That was the oh, yeah, red yeah, flag. Yeah. That was the biggest red flag of all. That was the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was... And Carson wore that skinny tie that day. Yeah, he, he was not... He was not ready for this, for that extension or anything. I mean, he was... Yeah, he could barely, he he couldn't find the words because he was I think he was a little scared. Just hearing him say that he wanted to finish his career in Philadelphia, I couldn't believe that. I started rolling my eyes at that. But All right. you know, so, so, we so, will find I'm sorry, yeah, Bob. We will find out about Jalen Hurts and, and what he's got under the hood. More about him this year. Although I I, th- I still think he is what he is. He's a, a he's a he's a decent quarterback, but he's he's not the guy that uh is going to take you to the Super Bowl. That's what I believe. Then what is the chance that, although we may all think that Carson Wentz is uh, a lost cause and uh, not uh, uh, up for uh, doing what he needs to do, what's the chance that we can at some point say, hey, that trade by the commanders for Carson Wentz, boy, they gave up less than the Eagles got returned. Can Carson Wentz lead the commanders to the promised land because – there's so much other chaos going on down in Washington. Carson and his own little flighty self could fly under the radar and perform very well this year for the commanders. I, I don't think you can fly under the radar down there, Jody. It's just, it, there's just too much drama all the time. And, uh, and I, I really think that uh, Ron Rivera is getting tired of, of it. So, but uh, it, it, would it surprise me if they, if they and the Eagles challenged um, for to, to see who finished fire higher in the NFC East? No, it wouldn't. Um, uh, Carson Wentz, he's not a bad quarterback. He's, he's an average, he's an average guy and uh, who's had injury problems. So, and, um, and if you look at that team too, the, the weapons down there, uh, he, it's kind of like he's starting over from scratch. So, and, and obviously, obviously too, like uh, in, um, in uh, Indianapolis, the owner just hated Carson Wentz. From it was almost yeah, from the moment he got there. Weird. I don't know weird. if that was the vaccine; he wouldn't get vaccinated or what. I think it was. But the owner, or he got hurt early, but the owner absolutely hated him, and he started yeah. talking about him before he even got on the field. He, he started yeah. saying disparaging things, so uh, that that put pressure on everybody. That's not good. And that guy Irsay, I mean, he's not. You know, when he starts talking, he he just he doesn't stop. He's relentless. You know, so. You know, it, it, Carson Wentz won't have to deal with that this season. But uh, but there's, like I said, there's so much drama in Washington. Uh, I don't see how you can be, how a quarterback can. That's kind of the place quarterbacks go to die right now. Yeah, yeah. 
And he, we had Grant Paulson on yesterday covers uh, Washington, the commanders. And he noted as bad as Carson played at the end of last season, he's still a significant upgrade for the Washington football team. Now I'm going to give you a positive, Bob. Uh, Warren Sharp, who's one of those analytic guys, we've had him on the show, does a great uh, strength of schedule. It's not your typical – he's not just adding up uh, the team's records from the previous year. They try to factor in opponents and everything else. Um, they came out with their easiest and hardest schedules uh, yesterday, Bob. Number one for easiest schedule – is those Washington commanders. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. The third easiest schedule in the NFL, for you, Jody, by the way, the Jets, 31st most difficult. Wow. <laughs> but, but, you know, the Eagles had the easy schedule last year. They, they're shaping up to have the easy schedule this year. Why can't they be a little bit better? than expected. Why does everybody say this team can't do this? This team can't do that. Jalen Hurts isn't this. Jalen Hurts isn't that. They're getting breaks playing in this NFC East. Yeah, they, they sure are. And and that's that's a big reflection of that. What was uh what was Dallas's strength of schedule? I'd have to look it up. They, okay. they put the Were top, they top five. Ten? They no they they put the top five easiest up in the top five right. uh uh, top five most difficult, but I'll, I'll find it. I'll find yeah. it. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. It's hard for me to, to uh, just Dallas sit here is think about 10 wins. <laughs> yeah. It's NFC East because they all play in this division. Right. It's Washington has the, the easiest division they're in. Eagles third easiest projection wise. Cowboys six, Giants eight. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. The Giants. Yeah. Well, I, I think all those teams are going to be better, though. Um, the NFC East, they they have well, to. They can't all I mean, be better. They, but they it, all, but, yeah, they they all cratered last year. Well, except for the Eagles. Um, well, Dallas didn't crater. The Eagles, yeah. yeah. Well, the Eagles. No, they better. they didn't. But I mean, if you look well, at they the cratered end of the season, in the playoffs. Yeah, look at the end of the, their season. Wow, they did. They just they were all over the place. So, but uh, they were they were clearly the the best team in the division. They're obviously. I mean, so so uh, yeah, I you know. It's hard for me, though, to, like I was saying, to sit here and think that the Eagles could win ten games, go ten and seven. But, but that could happen with that schedule, especially if the quarterbacks don't work out. There, who's who's the second best quarterback in the NFC East right now? Carson Wentz. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. I guess. Okay. Well, yes. That's why we, they... we shall we shall see. This is that's going to be the part of the drama this year. But but I do see the Eagles. Nick Sirianni, for for all of his uh, for all of that uh, that uh, that affinity he has for being a punchline, he's very he, he knows how to limit mistakes and he's very disciplined. And uh, the second half of that season last year, the Eagles really didn't beat themselves, so they let the other teams kind of beat themselves. And uh, and they caught a lot of breaks. They caught like how many teams at the end with COVID? They were yeah. they were going against third string quarterbacks who were you know fresh off the streets, but but they didn't beat themselves and that was significant. However, I, I still think when I look at what they're trying to do and what they had to switch to that running game last season, that still that tells me that they don't think there's there's that much upside with uh, 
Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. They the way that they protected him as they should have. I, that that kind of tells me that. And uh, you can say the receivers, you know, they they it was because of that. But they had a couple of pretty good weapons there in uh, Goddard and, uh, yeah, and also Devontae Smith. And Devontae, a real good player. And you saw Devontae Smith's frustration in that Giants game, you know, about not getting the ball. You know, they got to figure that out. And the quarterback's got to figure that out, too. So they just, they don't have that much confidence. In my in my opinion, they they don't have the confidence in Jalen. Um, and I don't. I don't really see that changing a lot this year. Well, then I'll ask you two draft questions off that. Number one, if they don't have, you just said they don't have that much confidence in Jalen. Do you believe they're going to use one of their three first-round draft picks on a quarterback? Uh, if they don't have confidence, that, aren't they kind yeah. of obligated to take a quarterback? That That's a tough question. First round, uh, I I here's what I could so see. I'm going to wait for the second round, which is exactly yeah, where they I, I took Jalen and go, oh, let's get our new second round pick in. Exactly. As a quarterback exactly. I is could that see a them, plan for success? Yeah. Well, I could see them dropping back, trading one of those, those uh, first round picks, dropping back, getting an early second. And if Sam Howell is there, Bang! Here he well, goes. You're, you're you know? another yeah. one on the Sam Howell bandwagon. Uh, they, can't play. They, they have, can't play. Yeah, they, they have some interest in him. Yeah, yeah. They you know like. what? What watching it? Watching him last season, I would almost tend to agree. But he's got. I yeah, mean, I if you look at, I, the, I don't like that offense. I didn't like watching North Carolina play. Yeah, you look at his the uh, the the skill set that he has. He could be a little bigger. He's he's not. You know that that's my biggest concern. But he gets rid of the ball fast. He, he makes real quick reads, and he used to shuffle his feet all the time, get those happy feet. Doesn't do it anymore. If you watch some of the some of the video of him now, he just gets back there, and he he's real patient. In, that's when he's in the pocket. And he just, if, if that receiver's not open right away, he goes to a second read. I'm, I'm impressed with him. But uh, all that said, you know, yeah. he, he's, yeah. not, uh, he's, he's not – he's not – I, I'm not impressed with Sam Howell. Yeah. Right? Well, let's, let's get to the draft and see if he actually comes here to Philadelphia. Then we'll microanalyze him. Uh, my other draft question was, if not a quarterback, could you say they can wait for the second round and be able to get him? Will they come out of this draft with a, not a project, but a, a pretty much given as per their high level of talent evaluation going into the draft? Will they come out of this draft with a uh, top flight edge pass rusher? Yeah, I think so. I think they still will. Yeah. Um, I, I think some of those guys are going to drop a little bit. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the receivers, too. I wouldn't be surprised if they went receivers. Uh, the cornerbacks, uh, there's another place where the Eagles could uh, could could grab somebody. So um, this is wide open. I, I, I don't see how you could mess up a draft with those three picks where they are. And I think Howie is, uh, you know, all, all you have to do, you, you trust your evaluations of the players. And then uh, you could pick, put two or three names in a hat for every one of those picks, 15, 16 and 19, and you would come out with a good player. But I think they will trade one of the picks, but uh, yeah, I, I think they could still get an edge rusher. And um, there's, there's a lot of them first round. Uh, that That's possibility. But uh, I, I'd be surprised if they, if they use package to pick to, to move up and get a pass rusher, you know, I, I don't see that happening. So mm-hmm. I, I, I see them, kind of standing pat or maybe moving around a little bit, but, uh, but not moving up. Yeah. That was my question, Bob. You kind of answered it, but um, Devonte Smith, if you look at what they did last year 
They only moved up two spots to get Devontae Smith. Um, they moved down, then they moved back up, if people remember. But they had mentioned they had five players that they targeted in that range that they were hope was going to draft. Kyle Pitts, which was a joke. Yeah, yeah, the they, two, that wasn't going to happen. The two corners, uh, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain came off the board. Jalen Waddle came off the board early. Devontae I think was that's... the last one. Yeah, and they, they wanted Waddle, too. Yeah, Jalen yeah, Waddle, yeah. And they moved up the board. Devontae was the last one. They said, all right, we got to go get him. Could that happen this year? Small move up if they target five players with that first pick, 15 overall. Could they yeah, make they, that small move up? Yeah, yeah, they could do that. They they have enough um, draft picks to do that. What do they have, 10? They yeah, got like 10 or 11? Yeah, I mean, they got the ammunition to do that. I could see something like that. But, I mean, to make a big jump up the board, and I, I don't see them using two first-round picks to, to make that move up. But, uh, yeah, th- this is going to be um, – I think they're in they're in really good shape coming out of this draft. Um, I, I I just kind of and maybe you know maybe Jeffrey Lurie is right about this coaching staff and he has confidence they'll develop players. I've always said that the the Doug Peterson staff they didn't they wouldn't wait for anybody, but uh, it seems <laughs> like yeah they wouldn't. They I mean if you made a mistake I mean you were you were just buried and uh, so. But uh, I I think that it, you know all this stuff it adds intrigue. I, I still don't I don't think um, I don't think that this is um, a Super Bowl contender by any means. But uh, they're they're going to be better than the team that that finished nine and eight. Now, what kind of a nine and eight was that? Well, I think we'll find out this year too because I I do think all those teams in the the NFC East are going to be better. I think Daniel Jones is going to be better. Um, I don't know what the you know the Giants have some pretty good picks there. We'll see. They got a they got a rookie GM doing the, what? What's his name? Jody Joe Shane or Joe Joe Shone or is the way yeah right. Think. I mean, we'll we'll see what he's got. But uh, but Howie, you know, for all the criticism he gets, he's a great wheeler and dealer. And uh, and you know, it kind of it sort of it, it kind of surprised me that he couldn't get any closer to any of those top quarterbacks um, in, in this offseason with all that ammunition. And all that, uh, all that savvy that he has. They didn't and want to play me, here. Sometimes, exactly. You know, they, didn't they didn't have the chance. Yeah. That yeah. tells me, yeah, that tells me some stuff right there. I mean, yeah. there's something, there's something about it. All yeah. right, uh, Bob Groats. Uh, again, always being Mister Positivity that I am. Um, if you are right that the uh, Eagles are going to trade, probably trade down. You don't think they're trading up, trading down, maybe even out of the first round. So they may end up with only two first round picks. How's it going to go over with Eagle Nation when the Eagles take another offensive lineman with one of those two picks? <laughs> yeah, I don't <clears> – <throat> there are some good ones. Um, I, I don't think anybody would be happy with that, but uh, but there's They're some quality guys there. They didn't and, want and let's play be, but here's where I'll stand. I'll stick up for yeah. Eagle Nation. They yeah. got let's, the let's best be offensive line coach in the National Football League who – makes uh, water into wine, a.k.a. Yes. Jordan Mailata. Why the hell would you use a first-round draft pick on an offensive lineman? All you got to do is turn him over to Stoutland. Take him in the sixth round and watch him make a pro bowler. Why would you do that, Howie? They they do need they do need a right tackle because I don't know how much longer you can rely on Lane Johnson. He, get, he gets hurt a lot. He, just a tremendous yeah. talent when he's healthy. But I don't think you can – you know, he's not going to – when was the last time he went 16 games? It's been a while. You know, They're maybe seven. the champ. 
They're so deep, Bob. You know, if, if Blaine retired today, they just put Jordan Mylotta at right tackle and let Andre Dillard go at left tackle. Oh. People would love that, huh? Yeah, so here, I, I don't people know. People forget Andre's here. That, I'll end it with that, Bob Groats. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Groats, uh, Delaware County Times. Is Andre Dillard going to be here after draft weekend? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, I don't think there's – people are beating down the doors for him, you know, like uh, – even a third date pick, you know, like uh, I'm sure they would have let him go for that. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll be around. He, he's depth. Um, they might get maybe a fourth round pick for him. I think they he'll might be get around. A round pick. Uh, I don't know if you could get a fourth. Yeah. Maybe a conditional sixth or something like that. Oof. Yeah. Was, I mean, was, yeah, uh, he, he's not, he's not really in that rotation. And, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to rip him. He, he's done. Just for him to have survived this long, that tells me something about the heart. He does have heart. I mean, because his skill set is not nearly there with uh, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata. But the guy keeps, you know, you just can't uh, you just can't count him out of of a job. But uh, but I don't see him challenging anytime soon. He he's uh, clearly established himself as a backup. Was was Andre Dillard a good draft pick on draft day? Oh no, that 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 they represents traded up all. to get Andre. They Dillard. traded up right. to get him. Was it a good draft pick on that day? No, 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 yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. And, and you arrive at that decision how? Well, everybody, there was just mass confusion in the organization. Yeah, Stop there, went nobody out thought he would be there. Jeff, he said we didn't do any work on him. He basically right, Chody, like the do... weekend before, all of a yeah. sudden they realized that this guy was dropping. And they wanted right. to find out why, and they couldn't. They, they didn't, didn't find out any, why. Yeah, that's one of the Eagles, until after the draft. The 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 due diligence. All we do, we do due diligence on everybody. Well, they didn't do due diligence on Andre Dillard because they didn't think he'd be there. And then all of a sudden he was there, and they said, "Oh, let's go get him. He's really good." Yeah, that that's why the, the process was yeah, wrong, let, Jody. Sometimes the process is right. And yet you get a wrong result. Sometimes the process is wrong. Sometimes you get a right result. Sometimes the process is wrong and you get a wrong result. It's wrong on both ends. And that's exactly who Andre, Andre Dillard was. But Johnny Mack liked him in preseason this oh, year. Oh, he's that a he, starting left tackle he looked good at camp. There are a lot of bad left tackles in the NFL. He is a starting left tackle in the NFL. Now, bottom, you know, bottom 10 starting left tackle. But... There are a well, lot then of then. How is he going to be an eagle at the end of the? I don't the think draft. he is going to be an eagle. That's gross. Take that up dealt. with gross. I think he's getting a fourth round pick. All right, we'll have to see if that look is at the case. look at the face. He's he's a key. <laughs> he's crazy. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Uh, and he played a tune before his face yeah. went to that. Did you hear his phone? Yeah. Playing a I, happy tune. I think they're getting a fourth-round pick for Andre Dillard at some okay. point. That, that, that also should be added into the evaluation of whether Andre uh, Dillard as a pick and the contract. Well, the contract really doesn't matter because you're locked in as a first-round draft pick. You got to pay him what you got to pay him. They're slotted as is. Uh, but what they get in return for him, fourth-round pick for a first-round pick, Four years later, yeah, not they good. got the they got the evaluation wrong. In this case, they didn't evaluate. Basically, uh, they just thought, you know, that's what you do in the draft. Especially, I forget where they were at that point. They were in the twenties. Uh, I think it was twenty-two, maybe. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but um, you know, you you can be honest with yourself. Like now, you know you're not going to get Aiden Hutchinson if you're the Eagles. I mean, so what are you going to waste your time with? Now, that's a obviously an extreme example, but there's a group of players you know you're not going to have an opportunity to get, so you don't spend much time on them. Andre Dillard was in that category, and the Eagles uh, drafted him anyway which was kind of a surprise. There's Bob. Get Bob back up. We're going to put him up for one last second just to say goodbye to him. There we go. Hey, you guys, somebody put me backstage. Is this something I said? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what we threw. We threw you backstage, pal. All right. How far have you made? Have you made the Delaware line yet on the way to New Orleans? Oh, I'm way past that. I don't know where I am right now because the GPS is a little bit uh, awry. All right. I'll, I'll catch you guys later, though. Always a pleasure being on. That's All right, thanks, Bob, Bob Groats. Appreciate He's it. Always fun whenever he comes on. We appreciate Bob Groats. All right, McMullen McDonald, we got to take a quick break. Don't forget, coming up in about ooh, 15, 18 minutes, um, we're going to finish off our divisional look. We had John Machota from Dallas on to talk about the Cowboys earlier in the week. And Grant Paulson did a real nice job getting us up to date with what the Commanders have done this offseason. Today, we take a big blue look at the Giants. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News is going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365 about 15 minutes from now. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Got your Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you on Birds 365, a football Friday. Uh, Pat Leonard from the Delhi News scheduled to join us coming up in less than 15 minutes from now. Um, John, we had I'm talking to Bob Croats. Always fun with Croats. He's a character and a half. Um, and we talked some about the NFL draft, and he continues to follow in the mode of John McMullen and Ed Kratz and others who believe that the Eagles, by hook or by crook, and I randomly acknowledge you've said, yeah, Jody, when I put my mock on SI, I ended up having him take a quarterback, but that would be moving down. But you can't do that in a mock draft. You just have to take the picks where they lie. I get it. I think the Eagles taking a quarterback is just stone-cold fake news. I think they really are being honest with us that they're going to give Jalen Hurts every shot in the world to be their quarterback, not only for this year, but years going forward. And yes, we always talk about, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be a $30 million quarterback before you blink. And that is true, but I think they're going to give him every chance to do it. I do not believe the Philadelphia Eagles are going to take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Why do you and Bob Groats and... Our other buddy, uh, Mr. Kratz, think that that's actually going to happen. Um, and I, I, I don't think it's definitely going to happen. I think there's a chance. I, I don't think it has anything to do with 2022. I think it has more to do with 2023. I, I do think Jalen Hurts at this stage is going to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, no matter who they draft, uh, including – Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, if you want to go away, you know, Ed was going up, I'm going down, uh, whoever you want to pick. Uh, any of the quarterbacks I don't think would be selected to be the immediate starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. My thought process is more as what you said. In the blink of an eye, Jalen Hurts is going to be a $30 million quarterback. I don't think the Eagles want to pay him $30 million. 
And I think they want to keep turning this thing over until they find the star quarterback, i.e. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, where then you have to pay the guy and you, you kind of understand it and it's baked in. Um, that is my thought process. Um, as far as what, what the Eagles are telling the truth or not, I, they're not telling the truth about not wanting an upgrade. I can tell you that a hundred percent. Um, do they like Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I think they like Jalen Hurts. Um, and so I think there's a lot of in between there. Um, I did get my first person on Twitter, and I'm not gonna say who, but I, I, I mean, who said Jalen Hurts is the most accurate quarterback in his draft class. And in this draft class from a starting baseline. And I, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to pick the, on what's the starting baseline where he started as a rookie uh, draft pick coming out of college. He was more accurate than his. He was the most accurate quarterback in his See, draft. Class. <laughs> and he was the most, I, I know that's what I did. That's hey, what Johnny, I did. Johnny, you know what that guy's doing? He's doing exactly what you and I debated for the first 20 minutes of the show. At some point, you need to move on and evaluate what has transpired and then set your bar again. He's well, looking yeah, back no, when he, he came out of Oklahoma. It's kind of irrelevant now that he's been in the league for two years and shown what his accuracy is. Who gives a flying fart how accurate he was when he was a Sooner? That's old news now. But, but Jody, he wasn't accurate as a Sooner. He wasn't regarded. I'm not talking about stats. I'm talking about how he was evaluated coming out of college. He was not evaluated coming out of college as an accurate quarterback by NFL scouts. Now, Lincoln Riley builds a, 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 a system that makes it very easy for quarterbacks at the, at the college true. level Good to put point. up some pretty significant numbers. But nobody was saying, hey, that Jalen Hurts, he's Tom Brady-like, but it's accurate. He's pinpoint accurate. I never heard that from one scout. The sticking <laughs> head coach of this football team will tell you, yeah, he's got to get more accurate. He usually does it off the record, but he said it on the record, so now I can say it. Um, he'll tell you, and he's the most positive guy in the world. So I can't help these people who think this guy's accurate. Even Jalen Hurts acknowledges he's got to get more accurate. That's why he agreed with the Eagles. He had to go out to Southern California to work with Tom House and Adam Dado, whatever his name is, and um, uh, with three three uh, DQB. You know, they're the, the 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 sort of pitch doctors that that work on mechanics and footwork and all that kind of stuff. But um, I can't help people like that. The Eagles know exactly what they have in Jalen Hurts. And I, I've said this a lot, and I'm going to say it again. They they like the kid. They think he's got a chance to evolve further and get better and get better and get better. But they realize he needs to get better. And they realize that um, if there is an opportunity for them to get better, they should take it. In right. other words, if that if Russell Wilson woke up one day and said, "You know what? I will, I will waive my, I will consider coming to Philadelphia," 
the Eagles would have done everything humanly possible to acquire Russell Wilson. Still might not have gotten him, you know, because there's other teams involved. With Deshaun Watson, a little bit more complicated because of all the issues, but they really, really, really like the player. Really like the player. And there's no secret around the NFL uh, at that from the talent perspective. Um, so they've always understood where they are. Um, and this hard and fast rule of, you know, one thing they learned, they have a luxury with Jalen Hurts. One thing they learned from the Carson Wentz mistake in drafting Jalen Hurts, they know Jalen Hurts is not going to be affected if they draft another quarterback in the first or second round. These oh. kids still going to work as hard as humanly possible. Two things. I'll relate to one of the guys on our stream here who is following up in the footsteps of the guy who hit you on Twitter about Jalen Hurts and accuracy. Uh, McMullen, Jalen Hurts was just below Burroughs in accuracy coming out of college. You Using what's that? Purely completion percentage? Is that what we're talking about? As John told you, give credit to Lincoln Yeah, I'm Riley. not talking about stats. I'm not talking about stats. Right. That's the only way that you can possibly make a statement like that is tying it just to one stat, which yeah. can easily be explained as the coach has a great system to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, talent enough wide receivers, the completion percentage is going to be okay. And then there's the result. And Jalen Hurts was damn good. He was a, uh, 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 I think he was the runner up for the Heisman behind Burrow. But yeah, the difference between up. he and Burrow was a chasm, not just a little short thing. Burrow had the greatest uh, year a college quarterback ever had. So please don't compare those two guys, even if there's one statistical category that they may have actually been close in. Come on. One was taken at the top of the draft. One was taken in the second round for a reason. Come on. You got to be fair about this. And uh, I'm going to ask you to get off the fence. Now, I'm a guy who likes to spend time on top of the fence. If you can hedge... The, the life life has a lot of gray areas. Some things you have to make a firm and fast decision on, and other things you can say, hey, it kind of lands in the middle for me. But I'm going to get you off the fence. Are the Eagles going to take a quarterback in the first round in this upcoming draft? It's not a maybe. It's not a probably. Let me give you the percentage chance. It's a pass-fail, yay or no, it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. John McMullen's prediction is yes or no. Give it to me one more time, Jody. Will the Eagles draft a quarterback in the first round? If they drop down and do the whole Jalen oh, Hurts second round thing, that doesn't make a lot of um, sense because you and I talk about it a lot. You want to take them at number thirty-two I'm, 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 so you I'm can get say, that extra year. If you're gonna, if you're gonna force me, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no because it'll be too difficult to manipulate the board. Because I think if they would take a quarterback, it would be, as I've said. 29, 30, 31, 32. So you got to get in that window. And if you're in a amusing right. percentage, how many teams do you think are going to be attempting to do that for the very smart logic that you're putting together as to quite value a few. and what you're going to pay in that extra year of the contract? Aren't there like eight teams yeah. that would like to do that this year? Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why, if you're going to say the percentage of them being able to get that done is probably unlikely um so for that reason but if, if you were to tell me 
that if you were to go that hypothetical route, the Eagles are getting the 32nd pick. Um, I would say they take a quarterback, but there it's too difficult to to get in that position. Right. If someone just served up the 30, who's got the 32nd pick? Is it the Lions, the Rams pick? I think the Lions have it. And oh, by the way, I think there's a real good chance they're just going to stay there and take a quarterback at yeah. 32. Yeah. Because they, they need uh... a quarterback and they're not going to take him at number two where they yeah. pick early in the round. So why would the Lions even trade that pick? Yeah. Um, good point. And, you know, that's part of the problem when you have these types of, of issues. And um, um, it's and one of the reasons I had you repeat it. I was looking up expected completion percentage, next generation stats. Jalen Hurts, second to last in the league to Trevor Simeon. Oh, but he so, was great at Oklahoma, yeah. John. He, he was had great. Such a high he was great at Oklahoma. And by the way, the head coach of your beloved football team tells us all the time accuracies needs to improve with Jalen Hurts. I don't know what to tell these people, Jody. No, I don't know if I would say all the time, but he's actually gone on record and said for the longest oh, time he didn't even want to go on record and saying it. It tells us because now I can say it because he did go on the record at least four times off the record. At least. Well, uh, not surprised by that on or off the record. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald will take a quickie timeout. We're scheduled to be joined by Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Does a great job covering the Giants for that uh, outlet up in New York. We've given you a little look inside to the Dallas Cowboys offseason earlier this week. Yesterday, we took a commander point of view with our buddy Grant Paulson today. Uh, Pat Leonard from the Daily News of New York joins us to talk Giants football as we break down the Eagles division here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald here with you. We've got company. Um, I always enjoy doing this. Pat Leonard in New York Daily News joins us. Um, turn around and grab the black book on the second <laughs> shelf down and tell us what it is. <laughs> the black, the black book book. on this. The, uh, yeah, this yeah. Right you can even reach and get it. You don't have to get out of the chair. Oh, he's got uh, wheels. He's got yeah. wheels, buddy. What yeah. is that? Mike Lupica. He's all right. Oh, Mike Lupica. Lupica. All right. Not going bad. old school. Yeah. That's right. They they no, give us right. these fancy backdrops so we don't have the chance to reach and get anything except to go into the hotel if we do it. But no, looking like good. I was down at Ocean last weekend. Great time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Pat, thank you very much for coming on board with us today. Um, last year going into the 2021 season, the Eagles were the only team that made a coaching change. The other three coaches stayed in place. And I thought the year before that, the other three teams all changed and the Eagles were the only one with a coach in place. And I'm going, Ooh, that's a big advantage for the Eagles. And they went four and 11 this past year. The Eagles are the only team who made a coaching change and they actually ended up making the playoffs. So the giants are now the only team that made a coaching change during this off season. How much did they improve with that change? Do you believe? Yeah, Jody and John. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think their offense improves just because offense was not Joe Judge's forte. And it is the reason Brian Dable is a head coach right now. Um, I think it's fair to ask right now. And when I talk to people, no one quite knows what kind of head coach Brian Dable is going to be. So the, the bigger change with the Giants was the general manager change. You know, Dave Gettleman out, Joe Shane in. And Shane really has all the power. Dable actually reports to him. For example, we're still waiting on the decision on who's calling the plays on offense. The reason being, Joe Shane said when he got hired that his preference was that the head coach does not call plays because he wants him to manage the game. I blinked and kind of stepped back because I thought, wait a minute, did I just hear the GM tell me what he wants to happen on the sideline? It's just such a new kind of way of dealing with things. I do expect Dable to be involved, though. I mean, he was hired to run his offense. They're going to struggle. Their roster is not going to be good, even with all the draft picks they have. So it's not until 2023 that they can clear up their cap and have anything going. You're not going to see, Jody, what happened with the Eagles, where uh, they surprise people in year one, and then they send the owner into this optimistic place where he starts saying, we can still keep winning while we build for the future. I think the Giants, even if they're not going to be as honest about it, are looking at this as a as a one-year reset before they head on up in uh, 23. By the way, Pat, Jody knows I love that sentiment. I love the CEO coach, but you never yeah. see the CEO that's, coach that's as a That's John's rookie. favorite. Yeah. 
because it's such a big job. And I see so many of these guys getting bogged down in play calling and they're making time management mistakes and they can't go to the other side of the football special teams. I love the sentiment. We'll see how it works out uh, mm. with the New York Giants. But I, I do like the outside the box sort of thinking in that aspect. And, you know, Tom Coughlin was that uh, during his end stages uh, with the New York Giants. So uh, that could be a positive. But you mentioned the roster. Yeah. A lot of churn at the back end of that roster and free agency but I guess we'll start at the top. And the two biggest question marks to me are obviously quarterback Daniel Jones, who they're going to move forward with, but Saquon Barkley as well. What yeah. do you do with Saquon Barkley and sort of cleaning up that mess? Man, John, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, um, well, Joe Shane was adamant. You could tell he was frustrated how loud the noise has gotten about Saquon Barkley possibly getting traded since he left the door open at the Combine. Of course, he's the one who left the door open to it at the combines. Why it's <laughs> happening, and also to your point, you know, he's costing you over seven million dollars this year, and it's this weird place where. So, a couple years ago, would a couple summers ago would have been Saquon Barkley's big holdout summer if he didn't get a new deal, get that second contract, and go. But he tears up his knee, and so once he tore up his knee, he had no leverage in that off season to come in and, and prior to last season say, I'm not playing unless you pay me like the number two overall pick who's an explosive player. So now he's walked into this fifth year unexpectedly given how he had started as a rookie. And now he's in a place where if you want to trade him, a team is trading for a running back who's been injured often and is really only a rental piece. And if they don't intend to sign him long-term, then what are they really going to give up? You know, I think that leaves the Giants in a spot where they know likely they're not going to give him a big second contract either. But Shane's position appears to be this. If a team is going to offer him a significant asset for the player, he'll consider it. But what I heard coming out of the combine was that teams were looking at, like, we'll give you a fifth round pick and you eat some of the salary because we don't want to take on the full seven million. So if the offers don't change from that position for Barkley, then he'll be a giant at least starting this year. So it's Shane didn't slam the door. He said, I haven't called anybody and shopped him, but I have taken calls. You know, it's that whole semantics of it. And then on Daniel Jones, you know, they, they're going to, they're going to say they believe in him until they decide they don't, they are scouting the quarterbacks in this draft. I still think it's unlikely that they draft one. I do believe he'll be the week one starter. The Tyrod Taylor signing as a backup kind of raised eyebrows because they gave him pretty good money. And given the fact that, well, let, let's just put it this way, guys. I'm sure you feel this way. I don't know how you feel. But when you talk to people around the league, they kind of are confused why the Giants are running back one more year with Jones because they don't think he's the guy. A lot of people around the league think, well, he's already proven, even if he's an okay player, he's not at that top five, top ten level. So you already know you don't have Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, all these guys in the building. So why kind of delay the inevitable? So the Giants still think Jones can reach that next level. Maybe Dable and that offense is the key. They still have to decide whether to pick up his fifth-year option by May 2nd. I don't expect that to happen. So then you would have a team saying, we believe he's the guy, but not picking up the fifth-year <laughs> option that would reflect that you know he's the guy. Yeah, right, um, you know, But what's going to happen on the field? is they're encouraging Tyrod to push him. 
Jones doesn't, he's not a guy who needs to be pushed, but they are encouraging that internal competition. And I think it's fair to say that once Daniel Jones plays that first snap in week one, everything will continue to be evaluated and reevaluated on what they do there. All right, so let's take this a step further because John and I, right before you came on, we're talking about the Eagles and using a first-round draft pick because their starting quarterback is not someone who's a given foregone conclusion to be the quarterback for the next four, five, six years. Same exact way with Daniel Jones in New York. And John continues to say, if they could get down to the bottom of the first round and not use a high pick and trade down, then maybe they'd take a quarterback, which makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Would the Giants think along those same lines? Even though they've said, Daniel Jones is our guy. We're not questioning. We think Daniel Jones is the guy. If they could maneuver and get down into a better position, because at three and seven, no quarterback deserves to be taken that high. Personal opinion on this year's talent or lack thereof in the quarterback draft. Would the Giants, if the draft falls their way, think about taking a quarterback late in the first round? You know, Jody, you and John, you're espousing a, uh, a philosophy entering this draft that I, I don't disagree with. What I would say is I don't think the Giants will draft one even in that scenario because of their ownership. And it's this weird place where they are so tired of losing that they can't get out of their own way in understanding that they need to be patient to kind of keep building it. And because none of these quarterbacks are guys that even if you trade back and draft them in a smart asset management type way, none of them are guys who are going to step right in that you can feel confident. We're also going to win more games than we did last year. We're going to take a step forward. You know, so I, I doubt that. I will say this. I'm not closing the door 100% on them not drafting one. Like it might be 98% that they're not, but it is very clear from what Shane and Dable have said that they are scouting these guys and they're not, they're not believing so much in Daniel that they're saying, so we're not even going to scout this year's class. Cause like we already know we have our guy. No, they, they've been doing their due diligence. Now Dable hasn't been going to any of the pro days of the quarterbacks. So I, I think that shows you something, you know, it'll be interesting if they bring one or two of them in for like a top 30 visit, that is possible. Um, but those top 30, sometimes they feel like they bring in a player because they feel like their evaluation is not complete. doesn't mean they're necessarily going to draft somebody. But what you two are espousing on the Giants end of why don't you trade back, get more assets, whether it's for this year's draft or next year's, and then get a guy at a better value spot for your quarterback. I think that's something they should be looking at. And I can tell you that trading back at least is very much on the table for the Giants. And this is embarrassing on their end, but from a cap standpoint, <clears throat> it helps them to move back 10, yeah. 20 spots with one of their picks just because right. they are so tight against it and they have no money. Yeah. Five and seven. In a lot of ways, Pat, I call this the New Jersey turnpike draft because you have the Jets with the two top 10 picks, you have the Giants, and then the Eagles got 15, 16, and 19. So, what a, what a yep. quick math, Jody. You're the mathematician. Yep. That is that would seven. Be seven out of the top seven 19, out of the first John. 19 picks are yep. New Jersey Turnpike teams. But, um, Giants are five and seven. I, I think Joe Shane's going out to Oregon today. Uh, and that's, a, that's quite a trip, 3,000 miles. So, that's probably not, uh, uh, you know, blowing smoke to look at Kayvon Thibodeau. If, if the Giants do stick, at five and seven, 
Is that most likely that they're going to go edge rusher? Do you think it with one of those spots? Edge or offensive tackle, I think uh, – here's what I would say. I don't think Thibodeau is going to be there at five. If he is, it might throw th- some things off. Um, I, I do think offensive tackle is kind of the leading candidate at five with edge rusher right there. They also love this corner from Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner. Now, I don't think they would draft him necessarily over, like, the top edge rusher in the draft and the top offensive tackle. Um, it'll be interesting if a team does – even though the quarterbacks aren't considered stars here – you know, I, I do think Carolina at six is in play for a QB. And then because Seattle and Atlanta right behind the Giants' second pick are two, I think Atlanta is going to come and charge up and try to get like a Malik Willis. He's from that area. They have Mariota, bridge starter, a uh, local guy who they believe might need a year to develop. So if that kind of stuff happens, that could that jockeying and trading up could bump a, a key player like a Thibodeau down. I, I can't. It's hard right now. There's guys like Jermaine Johnson, uh, Trevon Walker from Georgia. Uh, then you have Thibodeau, you have Aiden Hutchinson. Like everybody's got their different flavor they prefer on these edge rushers right now. But yeah, to answer your question, edge rusher is a position they are zeroed in on. They've avoided drafting or overlooked for years. And Thibodeau is absolutely in play for them. You're right. This is not, this is not Shane like sending some misdirection signals anywhere. This is him going to see a player that he's interested in drafting to be on the Giants, yes. You mean he's not going to the Nike factory just to see <laughs> the new uniforms they're putting out <laughs> for the NFL this year? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys, you on that. I, uh, one of the things that I thought was actually a strength for the Giants last year coming into the season, and for the most part, now they had a couple injuries playing out in the season, was their secondary. But they let the secondary kind of come apart with free agency and let guys walk out the door. I think Jabril Peppers gets healthy, can still be good. I don't know why they moved away from Logan. I thought he was a pretty good player. The one guy they're staying uh, true to is Bradbury, who was the guy who probably didn't play as well as I thought he was going to play last year. Uh, This complete directive by the new general manager, the new coaching staff, watch film and evaluate and say, we need to turn over our secondary. I thought it was the strength of the team and it's going to be pretty darn different next year. Why did it shake out that way this offseason? Well, the first piece that fell was they, the Giants came out and announced on Pat Graham's behalf, the former defensive coordinator, that he was going to stay as the DC under Brian Dable if he didn't get the Vikings head coaching job. So they speak for somebody on their staff who, whose situation wasn't settled yet. There were a variety of reasons why Pat Graham was, had kind of soured on the situation, starting with the fact that he actually avoided taking even an interview with the Jets for head coach last year to stay with the Giants and continue building with Joe Judge, believing that they were giving them a long runway to rebuild this. So once they pulled the plug on Judge too early in his, in his estimation, and then that happens over top of it, he bolts for the Raiders to go with Josh McDaniels, who he was with in New England. So that leaves them now with a new defensive coordinator, new system. And the defensive coordinator, Graham, is not there to pound the table, right, for the guys that he has had success with. So that's number one. Logan Ryan is the most interesting of these. And I'm glad you brought that up. Is This was not an X's and O's decision. So I reported in late February, there were people in the Giants front office who wanted him out. Now, the GM and the new head coach, like John Mara this week, put it on Joe Shane and Brian Dable and said, this was a decision they wanted to make and I support whatever they want to do. It's not as simple as that. It, this was the entire people in the Giants front office. It's not just Joe Shane and Brian Dable. 
who wanted to move away from a guy who they viewed as, let's just put it this way. He was the main conduit to the locker room and the players. He was the primary face and voice to the media. He was a captain, a leader, a guy who a lot of times the way he went was a lot of ways other guys went. And he was only a giant because he was a Joe Judge guy. Like Joe Judge legitimately picked up the phone in late August of his first season and said, Logan, come here on a nothing deal. If you play well, we'll get you paid. That's exactly what happened. He helps them, um, you know, exceed expectations in year one. They beat Seattle on the road largely because of that defense. And they pay him on Christmas Day, which ruined my Christmas morning, which I let Logan Ryan know about. But bottom line is the Giants wanted somebody else in the leadership perch position. um, And it was it was a little bit more of a personal move. And that's why it doesn't make any sense to people on the football and financial side. So, listen, bad organizations stay bad by getting rid of good players. So that was that one. They still likely will change or expected to change trade James Bradbury because his cap hit is so high. It's so high in part because during last season they had to restructure it because they were restructuring contracts to stay under the salary cap. And Peppers, again, judge guy, uh, more of a downhill player. He's going to be better. I agree with you, Jody, versatile in New England. But I guess the best, the best way I can summarize this is mismanagement in various aspects of the organization have led them to blow up their strength of their defense. All right. Well, you mentioned finances a couple times, Pat, and rightfully so. I, You know, Field Yates put out the sort of snapshot of, of salary caps as of March 31st, and everything's fluid this time of year. Contracts uh, take a little time to, to go through and get filed uh, with the union and the league. But as of yesterday, Giants were dead last, 32, the only team with less than a million dollars of space. Um and they have the fifth and seventh pick, as you mentioned. Um, they have the quarterback. And I mentioned this in Philadelphia. The cost of business, the cost of doing business at the quarterback position is exploding by the day. So in a lot of ways, the worst thing that could happen to the Giants is Daniel Jones playing well, but not great. Because if you turn into a average, above average quarterback, that's going to make you $30 million in this league. Um, is this sort of that reset you're talking about what Joe Shane has to do in the fact of ripping this down and ripping off some of the band-aids that probably Dave Gettleman put on this organization? Yeah, no, I mean, Shane used the word handcuff the other day. And I honestly think it's, it's even though he and the Giants knew it was going to be tough this year, I think going through free agency with an inability to barely spend anything has really thrown it into full focus for them, how difficult it is, as you're pointing out. And it, it was Gettleman, but it's important to point out it was not just him. And I'm actually, it's a great question. I'm actually today spending all day finishing a story on uh, for a, the Sunday New York Daily News where I'm writing about how they've gotten here financially because it's really been the theme of their offseason And I guess the important theme to convey to people is Dave Gettleman was a part of it, but it was, yes, it was Dave. Joe Judge contributed, but the people who wrote these contracts, like Kevin Abrams, Ed Triggs, you know, negotiating and writing these contracts, and then even ownership signing off. And you even look at medical from their medical staff, Ronnie Barnes conveying, okay, it's okay to sign this guy who's been injured before because he checks out. 
everybody has folded into those decision-making processes that got them to this point where they're overpaying Kenny Galladay, they're overpaying Adoree Jackson, they're overpaying Kyle Rudolph. And then they carried so many players on injured reserve last year that in December, they were restructuring contracts of guys like Nick Gates, Kyle Rudolph, Riley Dixon, the punter who they just recently cut. I was talking to a cap specialist the other day. He said that he's never seen a team do that other than like the St. Louis Rams back during their early rebuild and only because they invited it. So, and it's important to know this too. The positive, if you're a Giants fan, is that Joe Shane and the Giants, part of the reason they're in such a bad spot cap wise right now is they've at least decided internally, we are going to stop as best we can restructuring contracts to then affect next year's cap. So part of the reason they're absorbing so much pain right now is they've decided stop this darn bleeding. Don't restructure this high paid guy into 2023 and compound this problem into future years. You know, at least, and this is the Gettleman part, at least there's more awareness up top at the top of your personnel decision-making process that it's got to stop sometime. And so that's the, the optimistic view of where they stand is yes, they have no cap space now, but at least they are at least trying to avoid making the same mistakes they have in the past. All right, Pat, uh, you kind of gave us a great picture, snapshot look at Logan Ryan and what he has been for the Giants the last couple of years and no longer is in place. And because he was what he was, may have cost them it's spot on the Giants that they wanted a, a, a new start, a fresh page. Who's going to be that guy? Somebody's got to step into the role is it going to go to the quarterback? Is it going to be a replacement on the defense? If Logan Ryan was a driving force and leader on the Giants these last couple of years, who's going to get that spot now? Man, Jody, it's like you were standing next to me every day at practice asking a question <laughs> like that. that that's, that is a very, very good question about this team. And that was a problem at times for the team until a guy like Logan steps up. They really, if you just look, if we put this roster up right now, to your point, you would not stop at many places and say it could be that guy. You know, they have Blake Martinez. They just restructured gave, or gave him a pay cut. Sterling Shepard just gave him a pay cut. So these are guys who can be and sometimes are in leadership roles but have been marginalized. Right. Dory Jackson's highly paid, not a leader. Um, Leonard Williams leads by example, but he's not the Logan Ryan step in front of everybody and take everything on his own shoulders type guy. I think you hit it on the head. I think they want it to be Daniel Jones. And I think they need it to be Daniel Jones. You know, and I think it's all funneled into that spot. I mean, even the guys who will become leaders and grow into maybe that type of person are just too young. Um, you know, like Julian Love is a, is a leader, but he's not a star on your team. Um, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, has a ton of great leadership qualities. I will say that. But again still very young. Now he plays a premier position, but this is setting up for, it needs to be Daniel Jones. It needs to be number eight. It needs to be him. Cause he, even Saquon, um, Saquon's an exciting player and he's a, uh, <clears throat> an explosive talented player. And there are times where he, I will say this a lot of times when things go wrong, when he talks, he stands accountable to stuff, but, you know, it, nobody other than the quarterback is going to be the one who stands up there and says, it's on me. I'm taking everybody on my back. Let's go. It's, it's either him or bust. 
Now, is it fair, Pat, to to expect Daniel Jones to be a leader? And this is, you know, uh, we've taken the more pessimistic route, but I'm going to go more optimistic. I mean, is it fair to uh, look at Daniel Jones and say he hasn't been the success on the field and point to that offensive line? It's not like the Giants haven't tried. You mentioned Andrew Thomas, high-level first-round pick. Will Hernandez just left. He was a second-round pick, I think. I believe Matt Pert was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, you got – I talked about that churn. You got Mark Lewinsky, John Feliciano, Max Garcia, um, players like that. Um, it's not good, on at least on paper, from the outside looking in. So how do you expect the quarterback to perform? And if you can't perform, how can you be a leader? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, John, it's uh, another great question. And, you know, I think um, I have reservations about their new offensive line, too. We'll see. I'll give them a chance to play on the field and prove me wrong. But, you know, Brian Dable cited John Feliciano's practice time to prove that he can play center. I mean, I've been around sports long enough that if you ask why a guy can play a position that he usually doesn't play and the coach says, well, he's done it well in practice. I mean, I, you know, I don't think I have to hear much more. Um, the guard, they spent a lot of money on Mark Lewinsky in Indianapolis. Now I will say this. I know a lot of people who know him who say he is a good leader, veteran guy, you know, that type of thing, obviously he's a guards and not a premier position, but there's that good element. The negative is that, I mean, the Colts, weren't going to resign him. I mean, they, they almost, they replaced him for a couple of weeks last year as a starter. So the giants made him a priority as like a sure starter on their line. And the Colts were saying, okay, like you were good for us for a time, but like we're moving off. So that's discouraging too. They're going to get a good player at right tackle in the draft. That's a, that's on the upside. The biggest thing with Daniel Jones though, is this John, and you know, he's got to stay healthy. Obviously the turnovers, those things are obvious, but he has it's this is under the radar a little bit he has been able to at times move the ball pretty well thanks to his ability to run mm-hmm. his dual threat nature and he does have a good arm he's been able to move the ball between the 20s way better than you probably would think if you don't watch every play and if you just don't like review the film and all that stuff like at a, at a regular basis but When they get to the red zone, he freezes, the offense freezes. They, he has never had a consistent ability to confidently deliver a ball into the end zone to a playmaker. And it's not just the playmakers. It's not just the offensive line. It's also been his accuracy and decision-making in those spots. I like Daniel for a lot of reasons and I haven't written him off completely, but I will say this. I, I don't know if I've ever seen an athlete's decision-making improve from like from night to day. I mean, I think you can give a guy more options. You can give him a little bit more time. So I think the Giants hope is giving him a little bit more time with hopefully a better offensive line plus Dable's scheme can improve that. But I just think it, it all hinges on the red zone and their decisions in the red zone. Because they get down there more than you would think, but they end up kicking field goals or they end up turning it over. And, I'll, you know, this is, this is actually pretty interesting. Last year in training camp, you, never, you don't want to rush to judgment when you cover these teams, right? But 
early in training camp, they were running red zone drills and the Giants offense just couldn't score. I mean, you know, Bradbury was locking down Kenny Galladay and batting the ball down, even on the fade routes. They were trying to force it into to their playmakers, to, to Shepard, Barkley, or no, Barkley wasn't on the field, but they were trying to force it into their top playmakers. And at the time, you know how it goes. Everybody likes to say, well, this is just a good sign for the defense. defense. But I'm watching this defense, defense is winning. Yeah. Defense is ahead of the offense early, Pat. <laughs> and, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, uh-uh, I, don't, I see this a different way. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. how we, it, it manifested on the field. So. The difference yeah. between an optimistic and a pessimistic point of view. Um, last thing, the other thing that uh, the quarterback's got to be careful of, that 10-yard line can trip you up every time. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen we've seen Dan. Daniel's ten yard line. You you really yeah. can get tripped up by yeah. that. You um, want to hear a funny story? Quick funny story about that game. Um, so Daniel falls, but I went into that game. I had uh, a line to some of Joe Judge's Philly friends who all came to the game because there were fans allowed. I spent the whole fourth quarter with friends of his from growing up from Lansdale Catholic, and I had a great unique story idea to do. And then Evan Engram drops that pass. No. So I still file that story, and my yeah. bosses, we don't care what your run, what you sent in and filed. We're running Daniel falling on his face on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, uh, Liz. But appreciate you coming on. I did a show last night on the fan, and it ended up being an hour, one hour, because the Nets game ran long, uh, and I knew we were going to have you here this morning. So that's why I didn't get you on the fan. I'll do that again soon. But uh, we'd love to get you back on again after the draft, analyze what the Giants did. We try and keep an eye on the rest of the division whenever we can. Thanks for helping us do that today. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. Uh, let's do it again. And uh, thanks, as always, Jody. And thank you, John. That thanks, is man. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Does a great job covering <clears throat> Big Blue. All right, just a quickie before we go to break. Then we're going to come back. Our final segment will be wrestlemania talk so for those of you who want to tune out feel free to go ahead now log off tune in why would you want to tune out those of you who want to stick around and get a little wrestling talk john and i not going to go that in depth because we got about seven minutes but uh we will talk a little wrestlemania when we come back but please i'm going to give my evaluation of the evaluators we have uh, have had on this week and i want you to grade my evaluation okay we had uh cowboy evaluation john machota said yeah, the Cowboys aren't as good as they are last yeah. year. Would that be accurate? That is accurate. We had Grant Paulson on yesterday who said the commanders are basically a mess at this point on and off the field. Would that be accurate? That is accurate. And we just had Pat Leonard on who came on and said the Giants, except for the quarterback, which they could be blatantly wrong, are in a total rebuild mode. The general manager said, we got to clean this, you know what, up, which means they're not going to be as good as they were last year. And they weren't good last year. That's all good news for the Eagles, right, John? We're not ready, Jody. We're not ready. <laughs> Don't go there, Rick Mullen. Come on. You got to look at the glass half full. I am the backwards. I'm always amazed when I'm the glass half full guy because I'm never <laughs> the glass half full guy. In this case, I'm the glass half full. I can't believe these people aren't excited about this division. This is there for the taking. Oh, the stats you gave earlier on the, the divisional uh, schedule ranking. Oh. Drink the schedule. There's a reason why they're all in the top six. Because yeah. they play each other and they all stink. Yeah, yeah. All right. Come back. A little WrestleMania talk here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. McDonald and McDonald on a football Friday. We got through the show without any April Fool's jokes. Just beware the rest of the day, everybody. That is what the calendar says. It is April Fool's Day, so know who your uh, kidding friends are who might try and take advantage. Uh, no April Fool's here. John and I have a big weekend planned. I'm going to be on the air as well. John will probably be writing about eight columns. But in the meantime and in between time, we're going to tune into some WWE action. WrestleMania weekend. It starts with, what are you doing tonight, John? Uh, tonight is SmackDown, followed by the Hall of Fame with right. The Undertaker uh, going in the WWE Hall of Fame. There's a first ballot Hall of Fame. Very true. Not not even quite. Not even, yeah, 100%. And I watched his uh, WWE Evil uh, show as well. Uh, what, mean Mark, is that what he started as in the WCW? Mean Mark Calloway, yeah, his real name, yeah. And and they told them, yeah, we don't really yeah, see yeah, you as you're a never guy gonna, gonna, you're yeah, never going to make it in, in this seats. industry. Yeah, yikes! That now now That's what a we poor call evaluation. that about? in the in the time it yeah. might have been a great evaluation, but then it actually played itself that out a, over twenty some odd years, and it was kind of wrong. That is a poor evaluation, correct? <laughs> Very much so. All right, over the course of the weekend, the big match, of course, Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar, one of the best, I, I don't know if I would say the best ever main event of WrestleMania, but certainly one of the best over the last 10 years. Um, will it live up to expectations? 
Yes, I think they're both very talented. I think uh, Roman Reigns is on a different level at this stage. He's the best in the industry, I would say, right now. Um, and I think it will live up to its billing. Um, and that's the main event on Sunday. You know, one I wish it was one day. As much as I like it, they it's become so big, they take it into two days. Now i got to explain to my wife while I'm watching Stick and Wrestling all day for two days. Uh, I prefer it to be just on Sunday, but um, yeah, I think it's going to live up to it. Yeah, they, they, I, I, I know you know this. The reason that it's two days is well, it's a money. <laughs> exactly right. They can punch out Jerry's Palace in Dallas for two days. Yeah, why wouldn't you do that rather than just one? It's always, it's always, and you know, it's not. They they had gotten to the point where they were doing these eight hour shows, and that was tough to get through. Right. And people would just get tired. So you split it up. But, uh, you know, some people have complained that the cards are not deep enough. If you turned it into one, uh, it would be tremendously deep. And you try to get everybody on the show. But wh- what what are you most looking forward to, Jody? And maybe this is too inside wrestling, inside baseball, as you like to call it. Um the whole bringing back superstars after they've retired and what they bring up last year with Cena and he wasn't as big as he used to be. He was still pretty damn talented in the ring and had some decent moments. Um, I, I, I like it just from a nostalgia point of view, but then you can't put too much emphasis on how good the match is or isn't. I got no bloody idea what Steve Austin is going to look like 19 years after the fact. He might be my years. favorite WWE wrestler of all time. Will I just be able to keep it in the focus of, hey, that was cool? Or will I go, ooh, that was a bad idea. I want to remember Steve Austin. Not that Steve Austin did no, show up in well, WrestleMania yeah. 2022. It might be. It might. Well, Kevin Owens is really talented. So I don't think he's you know going to embarrass himself. But he's in good shape because he does his own show. You can tell. Uh, he. I don't know if you've seen his show on... Uh, wwe network which is on peacock but um you can tell he's still in really really good condition so i think he's gonna look fine but i'm i'm with you you know 20 years that's a long time to be off so hopefully that goes well um yeah i'm excited though here's my here's my only other wish john i hope i hope now this is a kind of a spoiler so again, and someone just gave me grief because I told people to tune away. I'm just giving you choices here, folks. If you don't want to know something, feel free to punch out real quick right now. The results are predetermined. I know that might be shocking to some of you out there. They are but predetermined. They are pre- I want to see Drew McIntyre just abuse Happy uh, Corbin. Happy Corbin. I, I think you're going to get your wish. I think, I, I think that Drew McIntyre has been undersold, underhandled, undercut he was the face of the organization for the entire covid run for six months he was the main event on raw week after week after week after week after week and then as soon as they got back in the arena drew go to the second team uh i think they they did him a little dirty i know they had to push roman but they have two different shows and they could have kept them as a main man on raw i think he got screwed I hope he at least gets to have a great WrestleMania moment by just beating the limit. I think you're going to get your wish. Uh, you know, Bobby Lashley's been able to make it back 
it, for everybody who hasn't seen him, and he's not, you know, because he's young and he's just getting established, but uh, the wrestler named Omas, who is going to wrestle Bobby Lashley, where do you see this guy, man? He is a legit seven foot three. He used to play basketball at Morgan State. He weighs 400. He is the biggest guy they have ever had. He is just freaky big. Just wait till you see this guy. Um, and he doesn't have, you know, Andre the Giant had uh, the disease he had. This guy's just big. Right. It's amazing the size of him. And if anybody's ever seen Bobby Lashley, he's a pretty big guy. Dwarfs him. It's he does. Amazing. I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing that. And uh, I have faith that almost is going to become a wrestler at some point because right now that's what he's got going for him. It's the he's the biggest thing on the he planet. Is. I don't know how technically great that no, match will be. He's not, but, but you don't have to be at that size. Yeah. Let a giant be a giant. There you go. Good sentiment. All right, uh, MacMan, uh, you and I will do this again. And uh, for those of you, and what was the number? Oh, we're still in the 160s. Thank you very much for hanging in there. Good to know we got yeah. a bunch of wrestling fans with us because we're probably going to talk a little bit about it on Monday after All it's right. over and done. Well, funny Eagles. Former Eagles tight end Clay Harbor on Monday. That's right. John already booked Clay Harbor. So we'll definitely punch him up. A little WrestleMania recap. Have a good uh, weekend, JM. Enjoy. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.